Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Well, 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 Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast, broadcast, and also cast on the World Wide Web and cast into hell. That's right, this is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast via the Community Radio Network, to each and every one of you listening in the land of Oz, the land down under. My name is Joseph Scott. I'm hosting today's program. Now, I'd like to start off, look, um, looks like, I think this is part of getting old. All you do is basically um, announce the death of people you've known and that you've worked with. Now, I was a bit shocked yesterday to hear that um, 3CR volunteer, and 3CR is the radio station from which the Anarchist World This Week is broadcast via the Community Radio Network, that uh, 3CR programmer and volunteer Maurice Leonard died suddenly on Friday night. Um, Maurice was one of those people, she was only 40, sorry, she, she died on Saturday the 3rd of August. She was only 40 and she was one of those people who had been battling a serious medical condition for a number of years. Uh, she was a proud unionist and a worker at 3CR, a volunteer, and she also was part of a the... Um, uh, she had her own program here, which she broadcast with other people regarding issues, regarding uh, chronic uh, illness, and that program was called Chronically Chilled. And she was only 40. She was a proud unionist, which is something you don't see in Australia in 2019. And she was also a union rep for the National Union of Workers when she worked at Good Shepherd. And she's also a financial sector union rep at the Link Super Call Centre. Maurice loved being a member of the uh, 3CR community. And uh, the last time she was in the into 3CR was just during the radio, recent Radiophone, which you all know about. And uh, she had one of those, uh, she was uh, very politically aware, socially aware, had a radiant smile and loved conversations. Uh, she was at the front desk for a number of uh, 
I think over a year, uh, a number of days, and uh, it was always a pleasure to walk in and have a uh, chat with her before uh, the program. Now, I'm not sure of what the funeral arrangements are at this stage, but for all those of you who knew Maurice, uh, we uh, extend our condolences to her family. Uh, we extend our condolences to all those here at 3CR who knew her over the years, and it is a great tragedy that somebody dies at uh, 40. Rest in peace, Maurice Leonard. OK, let's move on. That's the thing about life, you move on. I mean, when my uh, partner of 45 years died, almost two and a half years ago, you think the earth comes to an end, but it doesn't. You continue until it's your turn, I assume. But let's not be maudlin, let's move on. Now, while we speak, uh, well, in the next hour or so, there'll also be another funeral happening, just in case you want to know this. Mick Doran, who's a... A very valuable member of the Wednesday Action Group and a member of public interest before corporate interests. His uh, partner of uh, 34 years uh, died about 10 days ago. She was only 66. Uh, Robin Lynn Whitehead. And uh, there is a funeral today at Tobin Brothers in Ringwood, starting at 11am. But those of us who can't make the funeral, we're having a memorial lunch on the first Wednesday in September, which I'll tell you more about that. Another member of the Wednesday Action Group, Vasil Tiliv, had a uh, major uh, stroke, but we understand is recovering in Sunshine Hospital, so we extend our condolences to his family and we wish him all the best. OK, let's move on. Now, it's the little things that become annoying in life, you know, and what we've been doing over the last 40 years as a community and as people, is we've been taking steps backwards. We've been lulled into a sense of security, thinking that, as we saw in the last election, that it's the finances, it's the money, it's the amount of jingle in our pocket that's important. And many of us have taken our eye off the ball, more concerned about our superannuation retirement, or concerned about our wage packet, or concerned about being unemployed or underemployed or being casualised work or, you know, trying to make a career or trying to pay a, a hex deck. And uh, that's part of the human condition in 2019 in Australia. It was never like this, but it is part of the human condition. They keep us busy. They keep us in debt from the day we're born. Our parents are in debt. We're in debt for hex debt. Well, fortunately, I never was. Maybe that's why I'm a, you know, a lunatic. But uh, the thing is that uh, they keep us busy, keep us busy paying bills. You know, hustling is the word they tell me the young people use these days. Hustling, hustling, which is very American, very crude and American, which I don't like the word, but, you know, people are hustling for a buck to make ends meet. And what happens while people are hustling? All those rights and liberties we assume we were born with, that mother's milk of democracy, you know, liberty, freedom, tends to be chipped away. And currently, a lot of things are happening which have seen Australians basically reduced to the role of uh, community beggars, not just financial beggars, but community beggars, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, begging for a wage rise, begging to be heard, 
begging not to be taken to court because they've, you know, exposed some pathetic government secret about, you know, exploiting East Timorese, you know, some of the most poorest people in the country. And the list goes on and on. So what I'm going to talk about is, is a small thing, but it's essential. Freedom is based on the ability of people to utilise open public space to voice their concerns about issues which affect them. And all totalitarian governments and authoritarian governments do everything they can to limit that freedom. Now, I'm a foundation member of the Wednesday Action Group. There are two of us. There's Ruth Martin and myself. Uh, We started the uh, group about 20 years ago on the steps of the uh, ABC in Melbourne because we were very concerned about what was happening to the Australian Broadcasting Corporation during the Howard period and the way the Australian Broadcasting Corporation was uh, not reacting. And we now see the consequences of that. Now, for the last 20 years, and this is our 20th year, on every Wednesday, the Wednesday Action Group has been holding a vigil somewhere in the Melbourne CBD, reclaiming public space to highlight important community, political and social matters. That's right. Simple, peaceful gatherings on the footpath, holding a banner to highlight a significant issue, collecting signatures, organising petitions, talking to people. Really boring stuff, you know? Boring stuff. But the type of boring work that needs to be done in order to get across ideas to people. Now, a lot of people think that, you know, it's all on the net these days, that why bother? And you bother, irrespective of the impact you have, is because you are reclaiming public space and almost on every occasion we have been accosted by police and security guards for peacefully handing out a bit of literature and raising concerns. There is one place in the city of Melbourne, Southern Cross Station, where over the last 20 years we have had particularly difficult interactions I think the last one was about three weeks, three or four weeks ago when we had about 15 police and about you know six or seven private security guards and about seven people over the age of 70, you know, trying to keep a banner afloat. It's a constant issue at the Southern Cross Station, which is the corner of Collins and Spencer Street in Melbourne. On every occasion, we've held our ground and refused to move, and I think people have realised there's no point arresting this crowd. Now, we've decided to make August 2019 Southern Cross Station Month. And we'll be campaigning outside the station at the corner of Collins and Spencer Street from midday sharp to 1pm on Wednesday the 7th, the 14th, the 21st and 28th of August to highlight this ludicrous situation that Southern Cross Station is private property the second largest and all possibly the most significant, the most significant railway station 
in Victoria is privatised, private property. I'll give you the background because I think we need to know the background to these things because this is what happens to freedom in a so-called democratic society. It is slowly whittled away. And before you know it, you don't have the freedom to do anything. In 2001, the Civic Nexus Consortium, a subsidiary of IFM Investors, an Australian investment group that currently invests on behalf of 27 not-for-profit industry-based superannuation funds with $140 billion in assets. The type of superannuation fund I am sure most of our listeners, elderly listeners, workers, uh, superannuation money is invested in, under the leadership of the Honourable Greg Combay, AM, former Secretary of the ACTU and Federal Labor Parliamentarian, entered into a public-private partnership with the Victorian State Government. This was the Kane Government. Now, it took nearly five years to build Southern Cross Station, well, rebuild, and in exchange, Infranex Management, a subsidiary of the IFM Investment Group, was in 2006 given an exceptionally favourable 30-year lease to operate and maintain Southern Cross Station. Now, this agreement has continued to generate and will continue till 2036 to generate a very healthy profit for IFM investors. So what, I hear you think. So what? So what? Now, public-private partnerships, as we see across the country tend to spell disaster for the public. Whether it's the uh, Burnley Tunnel Group, you know, the uh, Transurban Group, you know, who are building another privatised tunnel which they'll make billions of dollars from. The dilemma with public-private partnerships is that these agreements are private and cannot be accessed by the public. Although we, the public, pay for them, we can't access the agreements. And although hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, just in case you don't know, the county court in Melbourne is also privatised, believe it or not, let out to the state government, millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars of public money is transferred to the private companies. Now, our particular beef with Southern Cross Station is exceptionally simple. In Southern Cross Station's, railway station's case, Public space, that's the footpath outside the station, has been reduced to just 90 centimetres, less than a metre. So the footpath outside Southern Cross Station, the public footpath, has been reduced to just 90 centimetres. Now, the footpath outside every other CBD Business in the Melbourne CD stretches from about two to three metres. Now, so what we've seen is the privatisation of public footpaths by a private entity. And this is akin to privatising access to the beach, which has always been a no-no in this country up till today. Now, traditionally, about the only place that Australians are able to protest to hold a vigil are on the footpaths. Now, the irony is, this is the irony of this whole situation. You would think 
the trade union industry, you know, industry-based, trade union-based, superannuation funds that are linked to trade unions that have been legislated out of existence would be the last people to stop the public from utilising public space to protest. So here I was last week thinking that we need to look into after a uh, a uh, request from a member of the Wednesday Action Group, John, to look into the background. Here I was thinking that I would find some huge, you know, private conglomerate running Southern Cross Station and uh, inhibiting people's ability to protest outside the station. And what do I find? What do I find? I find the IFM Investment Group. And the IFM Investment Group is basically made up of 27 base industry-based superannuation funds to which you are most likely have your assets in. Now, these are the very people that are limiting the ability of people to peacefully gather and protest in open public space. So I know it's a little thing, but it's the little things which make up the big things. I mean, Hitler didn't just come round the corner and just took over Parliament. It was a long process. And any authoritarian regime which takes power... It is a long process. Whether it's the situation in Hong Kong, whether it's the situation in Sudan, the thing is it's a long, long process. And if you don't actually have the ability to openly demonstrate legally in open public space and that public space is reduced and privatised, then you have another building block, another brick, put into that authoritarian wall, which is growing ever higher every day we speak. So we've decided in our little way, you know, a dozen of us or so, to uh, make August 2019 Southern Cross Station. So if you're in Melbourne, join us from 12pm to 1pm. That's 12pm from 1pm on the 7th, the 14th, the 28th, 21st and 28th of August and see what all the fuss is all about. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, something which is a little bit more teethy. Yes. Now, boys and girls, computer games. No, I'm not going to go into that. But we are in the midst of a computer game. Because wars these days are basically computer games. You know, people sit in back rooms and push buttons. A drone goes out and kills somebody. You know, it's the same into ballistic missiles. Now, I noticed our Prime Minister, our beloved Prime Minister, you know, unfunded empathy Morrison, our beloved Prime Minister, that he uh, was keen to tell us that we're not going to have any interballistic missiles stationed on Australian soil now. But what he failed to tell us is that we will be sending naval ships to the Gulf of Hamas in the Middle East and that somehow we are going to be 
the Gropers, oh, my apologies, the President of the the United States, Robin. That's right. You know, Batman had Robin as his sidekick. It looks like it's going to be the dynamic duo, Trump and Morrison. The dynamic duo against the world. And guess what? That drags us into more and more unnecessary military expenditure and, more importantly, unnecessary risks in an age of interballistic missiles, which can wipe out the Earth in 10 minutes. So isn't it fascinating? You know, you see the flags flying. This is what it's about. When you listen to the media, you read the media, you go on the net, you need to see the flags which have been flowing. And Morrison would love to put into ballistic missiles on behalf of his US ally in Australia, but he knows that you've got to create the momentum where you gather enough public support to allow that to happen. So initially, a few ships, the Gulf of Moss, maybe later on as the trade war, inverted commas, between China and the US escalates and we're caught in the middle, maybe then we'll be ready to see these interballistic missiles. So don't think that that issue has gone away. The balloon has been floated. That issue is there. And what that means is it would make us a prime target in any global conflict. And the key word is prime. But it's interesting how it's all massage and moulded. No, no, we're not going to do this today. We'll just send ships. We're thinking about sending ships, but you will send ships, I'm quite confident. See, the trouble is with the United States in 2019, they've, got to, they've picked too many fights. They've picked a fight with China. They've picked a fight with Russia. They've picked a fight with Iran. They're picking a fight with Turkey. <laughs> They've picked a fight with their NATO allies. That's right. You know, their NATO allies in Western Europe, in parts of Central Europe. And they need a friend. And unfunded empathy, Mr. Morrison, our current Prime Minister, is just the man who wants to be Trump's Robin. The dynamic duo, Trump and Morrison, Batman and Robin, will take on the world and destroy us in the process. Welcome to 2019. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, obviously, this is an exceptionally serious issue, but we need to really make fun of this because this is hilarious. It is hilarious because it is so transparent what they're trying to do. They think we're idiots. And maybe we are. It's a little bit like what's happening in Victoria. I'm sorry to... Con- currently, I'm sorry to concentrate on Victoria. Now, if you're in Victoria, right, on Wednesday the 7th of August at around 7am, you would have seen a Channel 9 crew outside a home in Strathmore in the northern suburbs of Melbourne, drag out Roberta Williams, who's a well-known gangland figure in handcuffs, into a waiting police car. Boom, boom. Regarding a matter which occurred about a month ago. Now, I don't think Channel 9 actually uh, has uh, cameras 
outside everybody's home. There was one outside my home this morning when I got up, unfortunately. Or fortunately, <laughs> it means you're going to be arrested. So obviously they've been tipped off by Victoria Police about what was about to happen and why. And the key is why. Think about it. What is happening in Victoria today? There is a Royal Commission into an informer who had a foot in both camps while she was providing legal advice to people she was actually working as a police informer. And obviously this makes a lot of convictions which occurred during the gangland period pretty wobbly. And the Royal Commission is currently having a real battle getting access to information from Victoria Police and their lawyers who tend to dump bucket loads of material on the Commission's door an hour or two before they need they need to be able to look at it. Now, look, look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, you know that. But when I see a Channel 9, when I hear about a Channel, I didn't see it, I didn't get an invitation, but when I hear about a Channel 9 crew filming a well-known gangland figure being handcuffed and taken away in police in a police car in the early hours of the morning on the very day when senior police are to be questioned by the royal commission regarding what happened with this informer you really have to wonder. Because obviously the media, like a pack of hens, and my apologies to uh, Bielke Pearce, who used to talk about feeding the chooks when he was uh, talking to the media, have run, run across to the visual images of Roberta, you know, Williams being led away in handcuffs to be questioned. And uh, the attention has been taken away from the Royal Commission. Interesting, isn't it? Now, now, considering that the Victoria Police went all the way to the High Court to prevent any public knowledge of what was happening, and they lost, and now are doing everything they can to inhibit the Royal Commission from carrying out its duties, and it's a very limited uh, range of reference, very limited, you begin to wonder what's ha happening. Now, if I didn't cooperate with the Royal Commission, I'd been subpoenaed, I can assure you they'd have all the power in the world to jail me for contempt. So who do we jail in this, in this episode? And wouldn't it be nice to see the Royal Commission actually use a bit of their powers and maybe jail the Chief Commissioner as he's head of the organisation for contempt? because his organisation has not provided the necessary material at the necessary times and they keep finding stuff they couldn't find. Or maybe the legal team that is working for the Victoria Police, which we are paying for as Victorian taxpayers. Let's not forget. Let's not forget. It's the Victorian taxpayers that are paying for the legal team, which is representing Vic, Vic Pole, Victoria Police. It's an extraordinary situation. So don't be, don't have your attention deflected away. Look at the main game. Don't look at the squabble 
in the corner of the field. Look at the main game. Follow the ball. See what's happening. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Go to my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. Go to the PIBSI website, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Download an application form, join Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. I'd like to thank all those people that have been joining over the last few weeks. Membership is uh, slowly rising. We need at least another 120, 130 new members, 140. So keep joining, keep downloading, go to the website. If you like what you see, download the application form, PIBSI, P-I-B-C-I dot net. When you've got people like... uh, you know, Jackie Lambie in the Senate jumping up and down saying she's going to pass some laws to actually basically make it a criminal offence to be a unionist, you uh, you begin to realise that, um, you know, it's about time that we had some real voices on the crossbenches, the Senate crossbenches, not all these conservative, arch-conservative reactionary voices which are, we currently saddle with in the current uh, parliament. At the anarchist world this week. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. There's many websites you can go to. Public housing, everybody's business. Just to remember that campaign is still floating along every Wednesday night, 5.30 to 6.30 p.m., steps of the Victorian Parliament House. Join the public housing, everybody's business vigil. So there are many campaigns, many things, and while we're talking about campaigns, I'd like to thank all those people who came to uh, the West Papuan Rent Collective uh, gathering on Sunday. It was a very successful gathering. I'd like to thank uh, Louise and Jacob and all the staff, all the volunteers. They're not staff volunteers at the West Papuan Centre for uh, having such a a great uh, afternoon and for Henry Light, who we interviewed on uh, Radical Australia last uh, week for uh, doing his presentation on the book he um, he just uh, uh, translated from Dutch into English, We Fought in the Jungle. Very relevant regarding West Papua. And just in case you don't know, it's ordinary people like you and me, not Gina Reinhardt or Mr Packer, who support the West Papuan office. I mean, they're busy trying to negotiate contracts with... Uh, the Indonesian government regarding the exploitation of West Papua's resources. You know, they got forests to be cut down, fish to be, you know, fish to be um, caught, mines, minerals to be uh, dug out of the earth, like the New York Three Port, the largest single gold deposit in the world. You know, so, so we're looking for members for the Rent Collective. It'll be ordinary people like you and me. I had a letter. Yes, I do still receive letters, and I do appreciate that. As well as emails, I had a letter from an elderly woman in Rye, a woman in her 70s, on a pension, became a member of the West Papua Rent Collective, sending a uh, deposit $400 into the account for the next year. So it's a dollar a day. Not a dollar a month, as I've been saying. I said, somebody tell me it was a dollar. It's a dollar a day. So if you want to join the West Papua and Rent Collective, you can have a look at the Facebook page, Joseph Toscana, or you can ring me on 0439 395 489, or you can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Because it's people like us which keep this liberation movement going. 
It's important from people like us, which provides the necessary muscle for that struggle for West Papua independence to grow. Okay, let's move on. You're worried? Hmm? You're elderly? Facing retirement? Seen the uh, stock market wobble? Not collapse? Wobble? Realise that maybe about half your retirement funds, maybe more in some superannuation funds, are sitting in the world's stock markets. Concerned that a lifetime of work can be wiped out in a week. Think about it. It's the new torture, isn't it? Superannuation funds. I mean, when superannuation was introduced, it didn't go into a government guaranteed fund. It went into private organisations, some industry-based, not-for-profit, and some for-profit. And your compulsory superannuation contributions, that's the employers, which is in lieu of your wage, goes into a superannuation fund. It's managed on your behalf. It was a great, you know, shot in the arm. For an ailing stock market, billions of dollars. We now have a trillion dollars in Australia invested in superannuation funds and $80 billion of that was lost in the last 48 hours, although I assume the market will rebound a little bit today, but it's a problem. It's called capitalism. That's right. It's a problem. It's called capitalism because what is the mantra of capitalism? There is only one sentence. You can dress it up as you like, but there is only one sentence. And legally, the role of a corporation or a business is to create ever-increasing profits for its members or shareholders, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. It's that simple. And in Australia, what we've done during the last 40 years, during the last glorious 40 years, apart from indebting ourselves up to our neck and ensuring that our children leave tertiary education with a debt, a hex debt, you know, that's how you start off your working life with a bloody debt. We've now got, and thank you, Bob Hawke, the late Bob Hawke and Mr Keating for that. Thank you. But a debt, indebted up to our necks, and we've privatised. I thought we'd privatised. Some things were still not privatised. Well, I got a rude slap in the face yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know that your money and my money, because we're the taxpayers, and we all pay tax, and the poorer you are, the more tax you pay. You know that? That's the, that's the extraordinary thing. You may not pay income tax, but you pay fuel tax, you pay tax on alcohol, you pay tax on tobacco, and most importantly of all, you pay GST, a goods and services tax. So you could see somebody, say, on a new start allowance, they say, oh, it's a whole 245 a week or whatever it is. But let's not forget, at least 10%, possibly 15% of that is tax. So we're all paying taxes, we're all taxpayers. Now, I have just, we have just come across some extraordinary things, which have been going on for some time. 
And it's all due to this privatisation bug. Now, the privatisation bug is not just about giving private uh, in businesses and corporations uh, a bit of a head up and a little bit of a profit for doing nothing, but it's also about washing your hand of responsibility. See, if you privatise security, say, at uh, the Broadmeadows Detention Centre in Melbourne for asylum seekers and refugees or other detention centres around this country, you privatise them. Well, what that means is that if you've got a complaint, your complaint doesn't go to the government who's responsible because they pay the bill. The complaint goes to the private entity which has doesn't have to respond and never responds to your complaint. And people continue to be tortured and destroyed psychologically. But the latest privatisation scam is just so mind-boggling evil. It is evil. And, you know, Mr Morrison, the happy clapper Christian, you know, the happy clapper Christian, the man who's not into unfunded empathy, is personally responsible for declaring war, as I said last week, on the 30% of Australians on Social Security beneficiaries. Now, one of the most evil little ploys they now have introduced over the last six months is the almost full privatisation of Centrelink, not just in terms of the back room, but in terms of privatising Centrelink's responsibilities to the citizens. And one of the most evil, evil things I have seen on my 67, nearly 68 years on this planet is the program called Parents Next, which has been introduced to force single parents back into poorly paid, part-time, casual work. Here we have the happy clappers telling us that the most important thing for a human being to do is to actually, you know, uh, look after children, rear children. And here we have a government which has outsourced its responsibility to single parents, usually 90% who are women, in the most vulnerable situation, who are caring for children, to private organisations which are there to make a buck out of the blood, sweat and tears of these people, giving them the power to, one, to choose who they will pick, not Centrelink, saying, this is a client that you need to manage. No, they now have the power to choose who they like on the single parents' uh, parents next list and abuse them and make a buck out of them, who they like. And at the same time, these private corporations, they are corporations, now have the power 
to suspend their payments. Not Centrelink, but the private corporation has the power to suspend their payments. And the same has happened with everybody on a new start allowance. Think about it. Centrelink, supposedly there to administer the social security system for the federal government. Responsibility outsourced to private corporations who pick and choose who their customers are. Obviously they pick and choose those they're going to make the most money from, the vulnerable, who they exploit on behalf of us, you and me, the bloody taxpayer who pays these bastards. You can tell I'm annoyed. And then we see some of the most vulnerable people who are looking after young children being victimised and having their payments suspended. And before they, it can be reviewed, it takes ages, weeks, before it's reviewed by Centrelink. Just an extraordinary situation. But we are a caring society, aren't we? We are so caring. We're so caring, you know. We're so caring. We're so caring for the rich. We're so caring about our franking dividends for the rich. We, we care so much about all those people who have niggly geared property. And all those people with more than $2 million in their superannuation funds. And we care so much for the privatised water market where 14% of transactions which are now performed on a $2 billion market, the privatised water market, 14% are actually performed by people who own no land. They just own water rights. They buy water rights and make a buck from selling and buying water in the so-called open marketplace. We care about them. And we care about all those transnational corporations and local corporations which, you know, rip out mineral wealth and export it and make a packet at our expense. We care about them. You know, I care about them so much every day. I I cry every morning when I think that Gina's going to have a hard day because she may have lost a billion, a million dollars. You know, I just, I just care. I really do. I care. You can see the caring, caring ooze out of me. I know you can. Now, <laughs> this is, <laughs> you couldn't write this. You know, if I was a comedian, which unfortunately, well, fortunately I'm not, although some people think I am, but I'm not a comedian. All I'm doing is basically telling you what's happening in Australia today. You know, I, I tell you that you can be dragged off the street, held, you know, secretly, questioned for 14 days, and if you refuse to answer questions, you can be questioned for 14 days because you may have inadvertently have information which may assist the authorities with their inquiries, you know, and you think, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Is this communist China? No, no. This is, uh, you know, unfunded, you know, unfunded empathies, uh, Australia. And then I tell you about the way single parents, mainly women and children, are being harassed by private organisations which be given carte blanche over the centre league system. You say, Joe, you're exaggerating. It's not real. And if I tell you about the 745,000 people who were over the past 12 months were taken off Centrelink payments because, you know, these private corporations felt they needed to 
be taught a lesson. Ah, Joe, you're making all this up. And if I tell you that Channel 9 crew just appeared at the home of Roberta Williams as she was led out handcuffed on the um, morning of a very important morning where senior police will be questioned by the uh, Victorian Royal Commission into the uh, uh, police informer who had a leg in both uh, camps, you say, oh, Joe, couldn't be. But this is even better. This is even better. Now, do you know that we have a fuel reserve? That's right. Now, we should have enough fuel. We are an island. Let's not forget we're an island nation, right? Uh, We should have enough fuel in our reserves to last 90 days. That's petrol, 90 days. Well, Australia's fuel reserve is down to 30 days. You know that? 30 days. And now the federal government has gone into negotiations with the, the Trump, the buffoons in the Trump administration to tap into their petrol supply. And why don't we have any petrol in our fuel reserve, which is there for our national security? I use the big word. They always use the word security. I'm going to use the big word, national security, national security, national security. Why? Because 75% of our oil is exported. There is no government legislation which uh, forces private companies to put a bit of oil in the Australian fuel reserves to ensure continuity of fuel. We've got enough oil, but it's exported. It's the same with this, this gas garbage you hear every day. The government's talking about having a gas reserve, getting the government involved in having a gas reserve, you know, where people in, you know, who use gas, and I'm not talking just about private consumers, but businesses which are going bankrupt with the skyrocketing uh, price of gas. Australia has got the second largest export of natural gas in the world after Qatar but we don't actually have enough gas to provide gas to businesses and factories and corporations and individuals on the east coast of Australia because there's no gas reserve. We would sell our grandparents to a cannibal festival if we could make a buck out of it. This is the type of government we have today. Privatised water privatised gas, privatised fuel, privatised uh, security, privatised uh, Centrelink, privatised education, and the list goes on and on. Privatised, you know, energy production. I'm not making it up. I wish I was. I wish I was hallucinating. I wish people could take me away and, you know, treat me and tell me I'm hallucinating. This is the reality we face today. I'll give you another example. Now, the renewable fuel industry is kind of limping along. We should have been totally coal three in this country. But what do we have now? We have people floating kites about nuclear energy. 
Yes, nuclear reactors. That's right. Now, I'm going to approach this energy issue from a different viewpoint, one must maybe you haven't heard before. Everybody's talking about the planet dying, and we've got people being arrested, you know, trying to save the planet, and, you know, we've got everybody up in arms, and some saying yes, and some saying no. But energy, the concept of energy is very interesting because you cannot function in a post-industrial society without energy. All those beautiful memories you've got in the iCloud in the sky would disappear if there was no electricity, okay? Facebook would evaporate. You wouldn't even be able to get money out of your automatic teller. The only good thing is that the uh, tolling points on Transurban would be dead, but that's a different story. But here we have this huge push against renewable energy. The difference between coal-fired power stations, gas-fired power stations and nuclear power stations and renewable energy and the major difference is one is a centralised form of energy production. And if a power station goes off-grid, or if you had nuclear power and nuclear station had off-grid, you would affect hundreds of thousands of people. It's a highly centralised energy production. And in an era where cyber terrorism is a huge issue around the world, where you can shut down a power station, you know, using, if you've got enough NAS in the cyber world, because of our over-reliance on computers, having... Renewable energy means you've got a decentralised energy system. Decentralised energy. Almost to the point of individual homes. Because that's the point about renewable energy. It's not just about decreasing CO2 emissions and saving the human race from extinction in the next 100 to 150 years. But it's about creating forms of energy that we control that are not controlled by external agencies which control us. It's the decentralisation of energy production is essential in any technologically driven society that relies on the cyber world to function. That's why so much effort is now being put by every nation, every major nation state, on the planet in working out how to cripple their enemies or their adversaries through cyber terrorism. It's no accident as I speak today that the National University in uh, Canberra and the uh, Catholic University in Melbourne have been having a little chat by so-called cyber terrorist experts. So think about it. So what an extraordinary week. What an extraordinary week. The buffoon puffs himself up, picks another fight, creates more issues. Our own unfunded empathy, Mr Morrison, the happy clapper, out there exploiting social security beneficiaries, single parents, 
people on social security, people on uh, new start allowance, letting down the old age pensioners which voted in droves to protect their little investments in their superannuation funds which could disappear within a week or two or three. As you know, as the bully boys, you know, shirt front each other out there having major impacts on the rest of us. What an extraordinary world we live in. As I said before, I'm happy to be taken away and treated if what I've told you is a lie. But unfortunately, it's true. That's the type of society we live in today. And the tragedy is that we have allowed it to occur. Because power, that's right, power in a democratic society does not reside in the hands of the state, the government, the bureaucracy or the corporate sector. It relies in the hands of a fully engaged public. And while we tend to watch all these little films about poor old Roberta and take away our eyes from the main game because we've been manipulated by these people, obviously power will continue to reside in their hands and not ours. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is broadcast by the Community Radio Network. It is also podcast. You can go to podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. And it's also streaming live on 3cr.org.au. You can write to me at post office box 20 Parkville 3052. And I do answer letters. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com or pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You can go to a few Facebook pages, Defend and Extend Public Housing, Public Housing Everybody's Business, Public Interests Before Corporate Interests, go to the web page, download the application form, join Public Interests Before Corporate Interests. You can go to Steps to a Home, Instagram, Steps to a Home, uh, Steps to a Home. You can go to the YouTube, you can see my YouTube presentation every week, uh, Public Interests Before Corporate Interests, Twitter, you can go to Twitter, uh, Pipsy underscore au, pipsy underscore au, and the list goes on and on. But remember, you need to walk and chew gum at the same time. You need to talk the talk and walk the walk. Chewing gum and talking the talk is useless. People say knowledge is power. The only time knowledge is power is when it actually uh, pushes you to become actively involved in what's going on around you. Take a leaf out of the Hong Kong Demonstrator's book and see how knowledge becomes power. Thank you once again. This is the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their 
brainwash my hands. Oh, Lord, You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.